Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Dogcast Radio. In this episode, we talk to Richard Cook about the variety of people who enjoy the dog sport, Canics. We do have some very, very fast runners in our events. Um, we have some GB team runners um, who come and run with their dogs. But we also have the other end of the spectrum, which is the person that just loves getting out there, muddy with their dog. They just enjoy doing something with their dog. We also have the Dogcast Radio News and a review of a new family film from the Hallmark Channel called You Lucky Dog, which features Lucky, a rescue border collie who makes good. But first, in connection with the film, I talked to expert Joyce Geyer about her life and work with herding dogs. The Border Collie is familiar to us all, as it's a very popular pet breed. But what is the working life of a Border Collie like? The working Border Collie life is always a very fun life. They, the intriguing thing about the Border Collie as a breed is that it has been selected for hundreds of years, right, mm. to do work. And this is very, very different than, than other herding breeds or, or most dogs. It means they're bred for some very, very specific things. Work ethic, high energy, drive to do the work, and instinct to do the work. It does make them a little bit different. Highly intelligent, yes. That's not always a good thing for a pet, by the way. <laughs> it, makes them, yeah, it, makes, it makes them highly intelligent, but also very driven. And when I jokingly said earlier, obsessive, compulsive, and slightly neurotic, I really wasn't kidding. These are, these are type A workaholics. If they do not have a job to do, they will invent one. And it's usually something most people don't like. Uh, my first border collie, before I started working them, um, decided that she didn't really have a job. I thought she was just a normal dog. <laughs> Boy, did she teach me. Um, she chose as her job protecting me from the telephone. <laughs> Now, you, you can laugh, and it was actually kind of humorous, except I was on a, on a student budget at the time at university, and, um, you know, ripping phones off the wall was not inexpensive on a non-existent no. budget. Oh, crikey. She, no. buried them, she buried them in my couch. We're not discussing what it did to the couch. <laughs> she drowned them in water bowls, okay? Oh. So it's – but she was quite serious about this. This was her job. Yeah. And she wasn't doing it to be evil or mean. It's just what she was. So when border collies are working, all of those things that can drive pet owners crazy are exactly what they need when they are doing their work. They need the focus and the dedication and a work ethic in order to get their job done. Working border collies, they typically start the day by going out and, let's say, gathering a flock of sheep or cattle. They're also excellent cattle dogs. They'll go out and they'll run quite a ways, um, well, three quarters of a mile or so, bring in a couple of hundred sheep. Mm. Then the shepherd does whatever the shepherd needs done with them. Maybe it's just checking to see that they're, you know, know that the, the stock is healthy, that none of the sheep need doctoring, um, that perhaps the correct ram is still with the correct group of ewes. And when that is done, the dog will then take the sheep back up the hill or back up to where they were grazing. And then go off to the next place and do the same thing again and again and again and again and again yeah. and again. <laughs> and by the time you stop for, for uh, mid-morning tea, the dogs are basically warmed up. <laughs> and, and then they're ready to go again. 
Mm-hmm. And again, at the end of the day, they're generally, I suppose if I got out and run a marathon a day, um, I'd be quite happy to go to my kennel too. But um, at the end of the day, they go retire for the evening, have a nice nice nap, um, get up and do it again the next day mm-hmm. and the next day. Yeah. A different type of a working day for border collie, maybe bringing them in, sorting them out, sorting off lambs from ewes, perhaps loading lambs to take to market. Maybe moving a couple of hundred or a couple of thousand sheep through um, chutes and handling gear and so that the sheep can be wormed or treated or have their feet trimmed. So from the border collie point of view, that's heaven. Yeah. yeah. They, get to, they get to work to their instincts and work and work and work every day, day in and day out. Mm. So from the border collie point of view, that's a good life. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's it's quite an odd um set of skills that you need from them in in some ways though because they need to be you know quite assertive with the sheep. I understand the sheep can be quite mm-hmm. assertive back, but then also you need this. Sharpie, yeah. yeah, yeah. You also need this kind of biddability so that they will do what the shepherd is saying to them, don't you? So it's it's an odd mix. It is an odd mix, and most people don't see that. The the border collie is expected to manage. We we think of them as livestock managers. We expect them to manage our livestock for us and do it correctly. So they do have to have a degree of uh, what we would call power, but a degree of dominance over the sheep Mm. or the livestock. And yet at the same time, they do have to listen very specifically to what the shepherd says this mix is only achieved with selective breeding, mm-hmm. and it is developed over the years. As soon as we start not doing that, we will lose this breed forever, and we won't be able to get it back. The other thing that we tend to look for in balance is what we would call just a degree of um, talent. We're dealing with three separate species here, the dog, the sheep, and the human. The human is by far the most stupid in this mix. <laughs> That's just the way it is, okay? I mean, we may... We may buy the dog food and, and define the dog that, yep, right, you're bringing them, that group in and you're bringing them to me and then you're putting them out here. But the communication between the dog and the sheep is crucial. Mm. The dog has to be able to read sheep, and it's a modified predator-prey relationship here. So if the dog doesn't have the talent to understand what the sheep are going to do and want to do, and the dog doesn't really get the job done well. And if yeah. it doesn't get the job done well, then it's fairly worthless as a livestock manager and it doesn't need it on any good working farm. So we, we balance those three things. A lot of times when um, border collies wind up in a pet home, pet owners don't understand that. Mm. And the dog has been selected to collect and control things, preferably livestock things. But in you know, lack of livestock, no problem. They'll collect and control kids. Yes. The um, UPS truck, the bus, the postman. And that's a problem mm. because the dogs are well within their genetic um, selection or potential or whatever to try to collect and control these things. And just like they would if they had a sheep which didn't want to play along, they could give something a good firm nip. Mm. And that's a problem for a pet. Yeah. Okay, so, but that is what the dog is. However, they also do have to be biddable to people. They do have to take directions. So 
Um, a very, very good shepherd friend of mine summed it up by saying his dog was in charge of everything on the place, but I was in charge of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that that is what it is. Um, many times the partnership between the shepherd and the dog evolves to um, a true partnership. Mm. Almost equal, but not quite. Yeah. And the dog will gladly take over and become the senior partner. <laughs> the mm. shepherd has to understand how to channel that. And the same thing in a home situation. In lack of guidance, which is what the border collie will be looking for, they're perfectly willing to accept a leader and a senior partner. But if there is none, then they will also be perfectly willing to become that because someone has to control the, the collecting and we're going to collect and control the livestock. Then somebody must be calling the shots and will not get the job done. <laughs> that's what they think. Yeah. I, I truly think that's what goes through their little furry head, their little furry brains. Mm, mm. <laughs> they they are an amazing breed. I remember going to interview um, Graham Sims, who's in the UK, and he he can work up to nine uh, border collies at the same time. And I was so excited to meet these dogs. And we went to um, some of them were in kennels, uh, and we went to meet mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. I might as well not have been there because they were so focused on him. And it, yes. he, he was all that mattered in their world. And they mm-hmm. didn't want to fuss. They didn't want anything from me. It was just, Dad's here, that's it, you know. And it, as you say, it does develop into a very intense bond. It does become very intense. I have worked with um, other breeds of dogs um, before I got into the working work. I've been in serious dogs in some fashion or another for over 30 years. So I have done obedience, I've done tracking, um, I've done some um, hunting work, field work with dogs, I've done wilderness search and rescue with, mm. with different dogs, and I've also done the herding with the border collies and some other breeds as well. But anyway, it's been border collies the last 15 years. And the bond you get with working with a dog to get a job done is and the border calling a complex job far surpasses any prior bond I've had with any other breeds. And I've been pretty tight with most of my dogs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just an amazing thing. And they do look to me. Um, I think, though, take it back to the concept of the work. If you have three or four shepherds out gathering, well, you know, a couple thousand acres and they're bringing in a couple thousand sheep, mm-hmm. it does take a few shepherds and it does take a few dogs. And yet, each one of the shepherds will have a different role in the gather. Someone may be working the top. Someone may be working the middle. Someone may be just running up the hill and bringing down small groups as they've been identified and pushed partway down. All these dogs will be working at the same time, and yet they had better be listening to their own shepherd, Mm. or the job will never get done. The dogs who can't learn to focus on their own shepherd and their own man, their own person, um tend to not be kept around in the gene pool very long because, again, that's a needed trait mm. and the focus, the attention is there. You also build it up over time with the dog learning to listen, just like anything. Learning to listen, learning to obey, learning to understand. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, they're, they're, if they're working all the time, that's a, a demanding life and, and you, they're happy doing that, obviously. Um, you've mentioned competitions, so if you're going to compete with your Border Collie, um, what kind of thing does that involve? Uh, well, you can compete in many different venues, but the herding venue, mm. okay, the working venue, the dog has to be very responsive. It has to be a good livestock manager. 
and you have to be willing to put in some time and some travel to to hone the skills. Many, many, many border collies are exceptional farm dogs, work dogs, hill dogs. Not all of them, though, can make the transition into the working world. Uh, Mm. I'm sorry, the competitive world. The competitive Mm. world. And think, the dog now is being asked to travel. It's being asked to work in what for some dogs is a stressful situation with people, different sheep, and to be asked to take many, many very specific commands, the same Mm. commands you use in work, by the way, but, but often very refined, and instantaneously in order to demonstrate the dog's skills managing sheep in a competition. Not all dogs take that degree of, of um, stress. I would say that any dog which is a good work dog with, tra- with a little bit polish can compete and will be successful at some degree or some level. Mm. But when you start moving up the ranks into the very top-end competition, of course, then you're looking for dogs which are more solid and can handle the stress of competition. Yeah. Interestingly, interestingly, a lot of the dogs love the trialing. Mm-hmm. They think that's just great. You know, busman's holiday. Yeah, I've been working all week, gathering in all these sheep, doing all this stuff. Wow, and now I get to go move three or four sheep around, and I get to talk to all my Border <laughs> Collie brothers and catch up with what was happening with Spot over there, who's been over on his side of the hill. Mm-hmm. So, so I, some really, really like it, and some just say, oh, please, boss, can't I just not go? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And and sort of what sort of tasks? Um, obviously, it's on a, uh, presumably it's on a smaller scale than in a working situation, but what kind of tasks do they have to do in the competition? They actually do mm. all of the same tasks they would do in work. And the scale can vary. A typical competition would be a little bit different from what you see in, um, in the Hallmark movie, You Lucky Dog. Typical competition would be let's say a handful of sheep, three to five, sometimes seven sheep, maybe a quarter of a mile away from where the shepherd and dog are. The distance, quarter mile, that could be small for a lot of the work that these dogs do. But the dog has to demonstrate the same things they would do in work. Leaving the shepherd's feet, they have to do an outrun or run all the way up around the field to come in behind the sheep without disturbing them and then bring the sheep to the shepherd at a reasonable pace. Not too fast, which is not good for the sheep, and not too slow. After all, this is work. You know, you don't dwaddle, nor do you cause damage. So at a reasonable pace. There are markers we call panels or gates set up that the dog has to bring the sheep through. No different than what you would do on a farm if you had sent a dog out across a few fields to gather some sheep. They'd better be bringing them back through the open gates or you've got a bit of a problem. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Same thing. So the dog brings the sheep to the shepherd and the handler, who then says, yep, look good to me, and then take them and drive them away, take the sheep away from the handler, the shepherd, in a big triangle. Um, It's usually about 100 to 150 yards in a line away from the handler. Mm -hmm. And then, again, they go through a set of panels. They would turn and come across the field, broadside to the handler, through another set of panels, and then bring the sheep back to the handler again. That drive demonstrates very much what a working dog would do, taking sheep back up to their grazing area or out into another field. So, again, representation of work. The next phase is usually um, a shed. 
And this is where you separate some of the sheep away from the others. If you've got three sheep, you may take off one sheep and hold it. The dog just holds it away. The handler doesn't have to catch it. Thank goodness, or I'd be out of this. <laughs> or if you've got five sheep, maybe you're holding two away from three. But again, this is a representation of exactly what the dog does in his work, mm. which is often separating off ewes and lambs, separating off the lambs that have to go to market, taking the ram away from the ewes, separating off a ewe and a lamb that might belong to someone else and have to be returned, holding some sheep off so the shepherd can catch them if they need medication or treatment. So very, very important part of work for shed. And then they put the sheep back together and you put them into a pen. The pen is a freestanding pen. It's eh, 8 feet by 10 feet, 6 feet by 8 feet. Again, it varies. And the shepherd and dog have to work the sheep into the pen and close the gate. Well, that's pretty representative representative of a daily task, too, like loading sheep onto a trailer, mm-hmm. putting them into a barn. Okay? Yeah. So the competition, then, really shows all the key elements that a dog does in work. Um, I actually compete. I, I work with my dogs. I actually compete a fair bit. In the U.S., I well, I compete a fair bit. I represented the U.S. to the um, World Championships on the U.S. team twice now, and I'm hoping for a third year. Mm. And so my dogs compete at kind of a world-class level. We're, we're okay at it. Yeah, excellent. I'm just, as, <laughs> as you um, outlined the tasks, I'm just thinking, like, my Labrador, that would be so uh, tempting to him. You know, he's great, but as soon as there's a distraction, you know, he's off, oh, and he'd want to play with the sheep, and, and obviously they don't really want to play. So there's... There's so much control, you know, self-control on the dog's part as well. It's, it's amazing. But any, to me, it's it amazing. Itself, yeah. yeah, any dog ever manages to do it. And yet, apparently, um, there's more than 20 uh, breeds of herding dog working in America mm-hmm. today, isn't there? Yes, but the Border Collie is basically the only one who can do that type of work that yeah. I just described. Yeah, yeah. There are other, there are other breeds that can do, um, well, smaller versions of it. For instance, in the U.S., and I don't know about the U.K. as much, we have the Australian Shepherd, who is a fairly reasonable farm dog. It can't work at the same distances as the Border Collie. It doesn't have the same, tends not to have the same drive and focus, and or or the degree of handleability and finesse. Many of the other breeds, like the the Rough Collie, the Show Collie, um, the Shetland Sheepdog or the Sheltie, They've lost almost all of their herding instinct, and yet they can be trained much, much more mechanically to do work in fairly small areas. So as opposed to going out and doing an outrun to gather of, say, you know, a quarter of a mile or half a mile or even further, these dogs can do work in an area of 100 yards by 200 yards or 100 feet by 200 feet mm. with a small group of sheep that are well, tend to be well used to dogs. Well, you know, for many, many small farm situations, people only have three, four, five sheep, pet sheep. Mm-hmm. That may be all they need. And that's what's important. A border collie might be bored to tears <laughs> only having a small space with a small handful of sheep to move around. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the other breeds, that works quite fine for them, right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, another breed that often does extremely well and can just about step up to the border collie level. The, the supreme individuals of the Kelpie can step up to the border collie level. Mm. But it's um, it's the exception there, not the rule. 
Yeah. Okay, whereas with the Border Collie, it's the rule. So, mm. so again, just differences, different breeds for different things. Yeah, yeah. And are there any um, corgis as, as herding dogs in America? Corgis do indeed yeah. work in the U.S. Um, they don't work there. For them, it's mostly a hobby. Mm. Tends to be people have, like with the Shelties or even the Rough Collies, they have them as as pets mm. and just do a little bit of casual herding on the side. Right, yeah. Because it always amazes me. With You look at a corgi and they don't seem to have the length of leg or, or the build that's going to suit them to to doing herding work, really. Yes, that's right. They don't have the speed. Mm. Mm. And while they... They don't have the speed. They don't have as strong an instinct as a border collie. People will say that corgis are mostly driving or droving dogs for cattle, and I suspect that could be true. But having, um, I'm sure that's also where they originated. So, but at this stage, many, 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 many generations later, the vast majority of the corgis that I've seen have little to no herding instinct or driving or droving instinct, and um, it's sad. It's sad that we've lost it out out of so many of the breeds. Yeah, because, I mean, it is, as you say, once it's gone, you can't get it back, and we've lost something that's very rich and very special then. Um, yes. Now, why we're talking about um, working dogs and, and border collies uh, is uh, You Lucky Dog, which is mm-hmm. on the Hallmark Channel, uh, coming up soon with uh, Harry Hamlin and Natasha Henstridge. And there's Lucky, who's uh, a rescue border collie in that, isn't there? Yes, yes, and this is a great, it's a great story. Lisa, Basa, Lisa our, our star, starette, star, I'll use star, goes to local animal shelter and actually adopts Lucky. Lucky, though, is actually an extremely well-bred working border collie who, for various reasons, was put in a, the, a rescue situation by her handler and her trainer. So Lisa does start with a very good dog genetically as she goes forward with Lucky. And the story is great. It, it shows the types of things that the dogs have to learn to do. And it shows, granted, on an accelerated time frame, what the dogs have to learn and some of what goes into actually training a dog with the work and the different steps that happen. So it's a very, very lovely depiction of it. And in the end, of course, um, Lucky has a really, really good day, and I don't think it's luck. I think she's earned every bit of it. You can see You Lucky Dog on the Hallmark Channel on the 26th of June, and we have a review of the film coming up later. The Border Collie originated in the border counties of Scotland around 350 years ago. They were developed by local farmers to work their livestock. We've created a number of dog-related websites over the years, and recently we've used GoDaddy, the world's largest domain name registrar. If you're looking to set up your own dog website or blog, we have a couple of special offers for you. You can get 20% off hosting plans with the coupon code DOG20H1. That's D-O-G-2-0-H-1. Or get 30% off a .com domain with the code DOGCAST6. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T and the number six. If you do decide to set up your own site, we'd love to hear about it. You can find out more about these and other offers by going to dogcastradio.com forward slash GoDaddy. 
Doncast Radio is a paid affiliate of GoDaddy UK. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Hello and welcome to the Dogcast Radio News Desk. I'm Kate. And I'm Nick. Flying with your dog can be a stressful business, and this has been highlighted in the headlines recently. A Canadian couple, Josiah Allen and Erin Docking, fell in love with a stray dog while on holiday in Mexico. They paid for a variety of veterinary treatment for the dog, including vaccinations, tick removal and medication for an eye infection, and were thrilled when the little dog that they christened Paco proved to be a faithful companion. Josiah and Erin decided to fly Paco home with them and booked him onto their flight, but that's where the happy ending goes wrong for Paco. When their plane finally landed in Canada, Josiah and Erin were distraught to learn that Paco was back in Mexico. When Delta Airline failed to deliver him the next day, despite assurances that they would do so, they admitted that they had no idea where the dog was, as he had escaped from his pet container. The couple insist that his container was escape-proof, being sturdy with a locked metal front door. But in the meanwhile, there is still no sign of poor Paco. Delta has apologised and offered the cost of carrying a pet on their airline, around $200, in the form of a credit with the airline. But, as Josiah points out, he has been put off using Delta and is only interested in getting his dog back. If you would like to register your feelings on this matter, you can click through to a petition via the link on the Dogcast Radio site. And it doesn't seem to guarantee safety if you're rich enough to own your own jet, as John Travolta sadly found out recently. He had landed his plane at an airport, and while the family were taking a break, an assistant took their two dogs for a toilet break and a walk. Tragically, when an airport truck drove by, the two dogs were fatally run over, despite being on a leash. Clearly, flying is a dangerous business for dogs. We hope the Travolta family recover from their loss and that Paco is soon reunited with his family. Treatments for canine ailments are becoming more numerous and inventive all the time, and one dog in Long Island has a complaint that needs quite unusual medication. Ingrid is a six-year-old rescue pit bull with a life-threatening heart problem, and the only thing helping her condition is a regular dose of Viagra. The Little Shelter Animal Rescue and Adoption Centre appealed for donations, and generous men sent in a few of their pills to help Ingrid out. Now all Ingrid needs is a forever home, and her new owner will be supplied with the tablets Ingrid needs. You can find out more about the centre at their website or their Facebook page. It's become acceptable for dogs to take part in their humans' wedding ceremonies. But in the UK, a dog recently brought a wedding rehearsal to a complete standstill. Vicar Ian Blay was conducting a rehearsal of a marriage ceremony when his wife Suzanne burst into the church and ran down the aisle carrying their seemingly lifeless Cairn Terrier Izzy. Ian temporarily abandoned the rehearsal and after checking Izzy's throat, removed a piece of cheese that she had choked on. He then gave the dog the kiss of life and thankfully she revived and was none the worse for her experiences. Ian and Suzanne will be avoiding giving Izzy any cheese from now on, at least during weddings or rehearsals. We end with a couple of stories that show how tough life can be for dogs. David Beckham's bulldog, Coco, was seen out and about in Los Angeles with her famous owner recently. Sharp-eyed photographers noticed the dog's claws were a fetching shade of pink. You may be relieved to know that the claws weren't painted. Coco had been fitted out with clip-on protective claws, which prevent the dog from damaging furniture or floors. Sadly, we suspect they don't do anything to protect Coco's street cred. 
Meanwhile, in Scotland, there's been an unusual case of cruelty to dogs, with a cat being reported to the SPCA. The cat in question, called Rosie, apparently just doesn't like dogs and is confrontational with them. Rosie's owner has been ordered to monitor her behaviour to keep the dogs of the area safer. And that's it from the Dogcast Radio News Desk. So until next time, stay safe, whatever you and your dog are getting up to, and please be careful around cheese. Goodbye. Border Collies must not be given too much exercise until they're 18 months old and the growth plates are developed. Then they can excel at agility, flyball, working trials, disc dogs, jogging, heel work to music, swimming, and more. If you're looking for a way to improve your own or your dog's fitness and reduce weight, or just have fun with your dog, Canix could be for you. When we were at Crufts earlier this year, I took the opportunity to talk to Richard Cook. So first off, just what is Canix? Canix is running with your dog. It's uh, we run events for, for over five k distances and two and a half k distances um, throughout all of the UK through mainly forestry commission land. Um, and um, you, if you've got a dog, then you can come and join us. No, there's no other requirement. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So at the the basic level, you basically you really just need a dog. Yeah, if no one's ever run in, in a, run with their dog before, um, then what we suggest you do is uh, just just put on a pair of trainers, grab your collar and lead, and just go and run around the park. See if the dog likes it. If he's if he kind of enjoys the enjoys the, enjoys the you know the faster pace, the faster walk, then you've probably got a canix dog, and most most dogs do enjoy it. So uh, yeah, so the best thing then is to think, okay, let's go and let's go and look for an event. So if you go to our website, which is www.canix.co.uk. Um, then you'll find all the events. Yeah. Um, we run the events throughout the country, from Cornwall across to Kent, um, over in South Wales, all throughout the, mid- the north, the Midlands, um, up into uh, the north of England. We've got an event at Northumberland in Kielder Forest, um, which is right on the borders. And this season is the first time we're running an event in Scotland. Um, we've also got interest in Ireland, yeah. so we may even see us in Ireland next season. Yeah. So it's taking off then? Yeah, it's taken off. Um, we generally have between 100 to 200 runners at every event. Um, some of our events are two-day events, so you, quite often we'll, we'll find a campsite close to the venue if there's not one at the venue itself. Um, and people will come along, they'll camp, they'll spend make a weekend of it, um, maybe come down Friday night as well. Um, so they'll spend two nights away at the weekend, have a short short break in the nice area of the country in a beautiful forest with their dog, and uh, what more can you owe for, really? So it's quite a social aspect to it, then. Oh, very much so, yeah. I mean, people will travel the length and the breadth of the country. There's one chap um, in, from Scotland. Um, he travels down from Edinburgh, and he'll come to every hour of every one of our events. Every weekend he travels sometimes eight, nine hours to, to, to come to one of our events to race a 5K with his border terrier. Um, he's actually racing tomorrow. It's a, a Crufts. He's come down, and he's uh, racing his border terrier, and um, he's been labelled the fastest dog in Scotland. <laughs> What time is that tomorrow? 
One o'clock is our starts from the main arena. We'll start starting off in the main arena. Um, all dogs, all breeds, um, pedigrees, crosses, whatever size, whatever shape. Um, they're all welcome with Canics. Um, all in the main arena. We'll be uh, doing a display, yeah. a demonstration. Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be exiting the main arena about one o'clock. Um, we've got about half an hour start, half an hour slot. Yeah. We've got about 75 runners tomorrow. Um, the age range, their age range is between seven to I think is 70 our oldest. So we've got we actually do have an over 60s class in the 5k distance yeah. for the adults. It's split up into about uh, eight different classes. So um, all, all age classes, male and female. Yeah. Um, so you're running in your age class and you're in your age group. So um, there's no real reason why you shouldn't think yeah. oh I can't actually compete. Yeah. Um, anybody do, anybody compete at any so level. They do weight classes as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, any, the, the weakest link is the human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dog, the dogs can run faster than any any size dog can run faster than their human teammates. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so the, there's no age, no weight restriction. Yeah, but so um, human-wise, there's no age limit as long as you can run. Human-wise, there's no age limit. If you're if you're the dog element, yeah. then you need to be a year old. We won't yeah. we won't let any dog similar to agility. I mean, agility dogs need to be uh, I think um, 18 months old yeah. before they can yeah. compete. A year when they can start training. But with Canics, you can actually enter an event when you're a year old. Yeah. Um, so we don't let any dogs under a year old. We do say to some, with certain some breed, with certain breeds, like the larger breeds, like the Great Danes, um, that maybe you should wait a little bit longer just to make sure their bone development is fully, 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 fully formed. Um, and if we go over 5K, we do actually do a half marathon distance. But at that distance, we won't let a dog that's under two compete. Because if you need, if you if you need, if you've done the training to do a, to do a half marathon. Marathon, then um, you'll have been training that dog for probably a few months before he's a year old. So you really need to be, um, you, be you have to have a dog who's two years old if you want to enter anything over 10k, they say. So, yeah. And what about the other ends? When do they stop? Again, it really does depend on the breed and how fit they are. Um, I mean, we, we, we have had dogs into their you know, 12, 13 year olds that have competed with us, but you know, some dogs will be on their last legs then. Um, it's, re it's really just, you've got to just watch your dog. And if your dog's prepared to run, then um, then you know and enjoys it still. Um, I mean, I think my two dogs will be running till they die. I think they'll die running. <laughs> well, hopefully not while running, but <laughs> not in a canning event. But uh, I've got two huskies myself. But um, fun, funnily enough, the huskies don't. I mean, it's working dog day today. But we don't see um, husk, many huskies in running in our events. I don't know if that's because we run in, during the winter events and um, during the winter months, and that's when the husky racing season is on as well. So they kind of they go off and do those types of things. A lot of a lot of single uh, single husky owner dogs will run with us um, because they can't run them in the rig events. In the in the um, they can run they can run them on on bikes and on on scooters, but they can't run them on um, on the rigs. They need a team. So maybe with us clashing with the husky season, um, we don't see a lot of huskies running in our events. But we do generally see that the, the breeds that do feature well are the border collies. I mean, they they feature any in any in any dog sport. The border collies feature well. But the pointers also also feature well. Um, any of the working breeds, yeah. but we do have pugs running with us. Um, yeah, even even the, and a lot of staffies. Yeah. Staffies are a really tenacious little dog, and they do yeah. they do excellently. Yeah. Um, and then again, all the crosses you get as well. 
border, you know, the lab crosses and the, and the border collie crosses and the staffy terrier crosses and all those types of dogs. Uh, it's always. Do they have to register in any way? Um, we, you have to enter a, a week before because because all our events are on a timed interval start. Then they all the all the number, all the people have to be entered in the computer before the race. Yeah. So we can organise all their bib numbers and their race starts. So you don't go out on a mass start. It's yeah. not all so one for a, yeah. So you stagger. You go off at about a five second, ten second interval. Right. So for all intents and purposes, yeah. it's a it's a pretty pretty close start. Yeah. Um, but it does give you a chance to sort your dog out. It doesn't give it a, the um you know you don't get to mess at the start with all the other dogs. Yeah. Um, and then your dog's got somebody to chase. If there's a if there's a dog five second five ten seconds in, in front of him, then you're kind of tapping into that chase instinct. Yeah. So if you kind of jog around the park and you know you know happily trots along beside you when you're training, when you come to one of our events, um, he will probably be pulling you hard, yes. <laughs> chasing that dog down in front. Oh. And there is a competitive element to it. There is. Um, I won't say there's, there isn't a competitive element. Um, it, it's not um, a doggy kind of fun run. It's, yeah. it's not a walk a walkathon or anything like that. Um, we do have some very very fast runners in our events. Um, we have some very um, we have some GB team runners um, who come and run with our dogs. Um, but we also have the other end of the spectrum, which is the person that just loves getting out there, muddy with their dog. Um, you know, they just they just enjoy doing something with their dog, and and the dogs just absolutely enjoy joy canics they love getting muddy and when they see their their owner getting as muddy as they are they seem to have even a bigger smile on their face but the one thing that molds everybody at canics events is the love of the dogs um the uh the, you know, you'll see the um, really fast um, athletic runners, um, you know, stopping, waiting behind, and clapping all those runners that have, yeah. you know, that have waited for their, for the, you know, to start at the finish, um, and then, and then, you know, cheering them in and supporting them as well. So there's there's a lot of support at the Canics events. It's um it's a great great family of people, yeah. yeah. And it's a great way for you both, you and your dog, to, to get or keep fit, isn't it? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, there's one chap. Um, he started running with us two or three years ago. Um, he had a he had a bit of a weight problem himself. Um, his dog was a little bit portly as well. Um, I mean, it's, it's a sign of the times. I think you know people are people are getting bigger and the dogs are going the same way. It's and uh, and it, it kind of creeps on. It creeps on with the dogs as well. It kind of. Uh, but um, he'd been running with us for about a year or two and he'd lost about two stone in weight. Um, and his dog was looking fantastic as well. And he and he put that all down to uh, running in, in the canics and getting out there. Was, and dogs are a great motivation. I mean, I. Wrote an article for the um, Kennel Club Show magazine, um, and, and a bit of research I did on um, the, dog, the motivation of dogs. Found out that a lady in Missouri, in the University of Missouri, had done a, a, um, a study on dog owners um, and exercise, um, and found out that dogs give a 20% increase in motivation. So it's um, you know 20% increase in speed and the motivation in those people that, that walk their dogs. I mean we all know it. Yeah. If you if you haven't taken your dog out for a walk, the guilt that you feel, you never get that guilty feeling as a runner, <laughs> as a runner with other runners. You kind of you'll quite happily let another runner down, but you won't let your dog down. <laughs> and your dog will never let you down. <laughs> okay, so if you give it a go, you're going to try it in the local park and you quite like yeah. it. What equipment do you need? But if, if you're if it's something that you think you're going to you're going to do on a daily basis on a you know, on a, on a every, you know it's a regular thing for you, then what you really need is you need to get a harness for your dog. That's the most important thing for your dog. That'll give him all the comfort he needs. It's not going to be great for him being pulling you around by his collar and neck. 
Um, so you want to get a harness which will make it make the pulling for him more comfortable. Yeah. Um, then you, what you're looking at is for yourself as, as a human element, you need a waist belt because holding on to a lead is not very comfortable as a runner. You want to use your arms to help you move, to help your running motion. So you want a waist belt for yourself so you can run hands free. Um, the waist belts that we sell have a bungee cord in them, which um, takes all the shocks out. So if your dog's jumping around, jerking around on the line, then the bungee cord will actually take out that shock. And the lines that we sell that attach you to your dog, the waist belt to the harness, they have bungee in as well. So it's double-stage bungee. Um, and then that, that double-stage bungee is not only makes the run more comfortable for you, but it makes it more comfortable for the dog as well. It takes up the slack in the line, basically. Um, and then you can go out and enjoy your run with your dog. Good, good prayer trainers is always good as well because we do a lot of a lot of our a lot of our events are um, in the winter. Yeah. Um, so it's it's wet it's wet on the ground. There may be la- there may be um, leaves. Yeah. You know, wet leaves in the autumn and grass on the ground. Um, so you want to go invest in a good pair of trainers that are going to have some good grip so that uh, I mean you don't really want to be running with your dog on on the pavements no. on the tarmac because that's not good for your dog's paws uh, as well as as well as the jarring and the, and, the, and the impact I mean that's why we wear heavily padded trainers as humans because of that impact on your on your joints there's the same impact there for the dogs except they haven't got trainers on so you've got to think about that and also the wear on your dog's on your dog's pads um, so I mean inevitably if you're a town runner you're going to be running in between parks on tarmac but if you can get into the park and run on grass grass is the best surface and then forest tracks forest tracks and things like that um, where you're going to need some good grip on your trainers so then a good and of course in the in the um in the winter then the evenings get dark as well so you want to wear some good high high visibility high visibility clothing yeah yeah and maybe for the dog as well yeah, all of our harnesses have high-vis um, reflectors on them, So, and all the lines we have have got reflectant um, material in them as well, so you'll, you'll be lit up like a, like a Belisha beacon if you're running one of our kit. The UK are actually going out, I'm going to, flying out to Belgium um, next weekend to um, see what the progress is for the European Championships, which is in Belgium this year. We're taking a team out to um, Liège um, in October 2010, and the team we're taking this year is about 60 runners. So we're going to have about 60 runners in the UK team that are competing in the, um, in the European Canicross Championships. Um, next year, the European Canic Championships will be in Poland. And in 2012, it's going to be in the UK. Oh wow! So we've we've already won that bid. Yeah. Um, I'll be I'll be hosting it, or Canix will be hosting it. Um, and that's we're looking at running that at extra race course. Yeah. So we'd be interested in hearing from anybody who's interested in either sponsoring the event, yeah. or definitely for for runners coming and um, coming and running. Then Anthony had a question for Richard. He's been trying to take Buddy jogging with him, and he'd like to try Canix. But the problem he's having is that Buddy keeps lagging behind and just won't run out in front as he should. Perhaps I didn't take this quite as seriously as I should have. You find that happens a lot, a lot of times, actually. When people will say to us, my dog doesn't pull, yeah. um, he's not, he's, you know, he's not going to pull at the events. and uh, well, he doesn't pull, but he's pulling behind. <laughs> <laughs> the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> he's not helping. He's hindering. <laughs> um, well, no, they'll, well, he doesn't want to do it. They'll say, they'll say, when I'm training my dog, he runs beside me and doesn't doesn't pull. Um, but then when he when he's got a dog five five seconds in front of his nose, um, they, the chase instinct taps in and uh, the prey drive, whatever you whatever you want to call it, and they'll then they'll real they'll pull then. So they'll what you're saying doing. really is we need another dog. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people. It's amazing actually. Lots of people. 
are actually buying dogs specifically for canics yeah. now. We've, we, some of our runners, um, their husband and wife will come along. No, one, one will be a runner, and the other one won't be. Yeah. They'll be running an event. So see what fun everybody else has. Then next thing you know, they've got two dogs, and both husband and the wife are competing in the event. Well, I think Buddy's more my speed. I could go with Van Labrador, <laughs> but we'll get a border for you. Yeah. <laughs> the, other day, the other thing is, one of you jump on a bike and cycle yeah. in front. So that, so when you're training, get a treat on a bike. A carrot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that could work. <laughs> yeah, or go out running with a friend. Find someone, find someone else who, um, who who's got a dog. You know, around yeah. lo- lo- local to you, and then go out running with the two of you. Then practice overtaking so that each of you. Because I mean, whenever I run with my wife, I'm always up front. You know, but, you know, with it, because my dog, our dog's two huskies, they pull anyway. Yeah. But I'm always up front and forging the way, and my wife's always ten meters behind, saying, "Slow down." Yeah. <laughs> and her dog's pulling her like crazy because they always want to run together. Yeah, I, I run the two dogs together as well, yeah. um, side by side, on one, you know, on the one line, and um, they're always competing. Whenever you got two dogs, it's always then three is a, you know three is a team. Yeah, you know, two two is a team as well. But when you got two dogs in a team, those two dogs compete and they give you much more pull yeah. then. So that's another opportunity to get two dogs. Uh-huh. Yeah, but two. <laughs> I think we've got eleven of each dog, so I don't think it's gonna. <laughs> There's a lady who's um, she's not she's running with her two German shepherds actually tomorrow. Yeah. But last year, at Crufts, if you go onto the website and look at last year's event, yeah. she did she did um, an interview on um, that's on the Crufts website. Yeah. She runs with a, a Jack Russell, and, and most of the time she runs with a Jack Russell and the German Shepherd. Yeah. And then well, it's a Jack Russell cross. Is it a little brown thing? Yeah. And she's got, I think, three or four German Shepherds and this Jack Russell. And the Jack Russell is the, is the leader. Yeah. It's, 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 very, uh, very dynamic. Ambition on all the Labrador. I don't think she yeah. would be you know, running. No, she'd just be like seeing boys. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have running our events, not as a team with a Labrador, yeah. but uh, yeah. we do have them running single dogs. They're, they're great little dogs. I know a good excuse for getting another dog when I hear one. Richard managed to make even me feel enthused about trying a run with my dog. And if you'd like to find out more, there's a link on the Dogcast Radio site to canics.co.uk. Two famous Border Collies called Whiston Cap and Old Hemp had a great influence on the development of the Border Collie, and their influence can still be seen in the breed today. Joyce Geyer talked earlier in the show about the working life of a Border Collie and gave you a taste of the Hallmark Channel's new movie, premiering on the 26th of June, which features Lucky's story. I have been lucky enough to watch the film early, and if you're a Border Collie fan, or indeed a dog fan, you're in for a treat. OK, it's not the most realistic portrayal of sheepdog training I've ever seen, but the film follows Lucky from being a rejected rescue dog to finding success in life, in more ways than one. The family that adopts Lucky starts the film grieving and in need of healing and direction. And what I love about the film is that Lucky is the catalyst that enables this. There is plenty of footage of beautiful Lucky, but with the odds stacked against her, will she make the grade as a working sheepdog? And what challenges will she have to rise to along the way? You'll have to tune in on the 26th to find out. Joyce also mentioned her border collie, who decided that her mission in life was to protect Joyce from the phone. Does your dog have an odd quest in life? Our Bichonfree's star seems to be on a mission to eat anything ear-flavoured, earplugs, earphones and so on. Although so far she hasn't managed to get to a telephone. Buddy seems determined to attack the vacuum, which he treats as an arch-enemy, but just hasn't been left alone with long enough to get his teeth into yet, thank goodness. 
What sets your dog's teeth on edge or gets their hackles up? Till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D O G C A S T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. By phone from the UK, you can contact us on 0121-288-0922. From the US, you can contact us on our American number, which is 315-849-2022. From any other country, you'll need your international exit code and then 441212880922. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Why did the Dalmatian go to the eye doctor? Because he kept seeing spots.